This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. You're listening to Finance Talkback and Barry Preston, we have a special guest today, special we subject. We certainly do and, and before we do that, uh, any comments made during our program on any investment strategy or product is based on general discussion. You should consider your own situation before making any financial investment decision and seek advice from your own financial, legal or taxation advisor and a product disclosure statement relating to any financial products that we may discuss should be obtained and considered before you make any decision to acquire that particular product and our license is 246712 and today we are talking with Ian Irvine now Ian Irvine is head of customer and business development at the Australian Securities Exchange better known as the ASX Ian and his team are involved in providing education and knowledge for investors and advisors regarding the products that may be listed on the Australian Securities Exchange how are you Ian? I'm well this morning, or this afternoon, Barry. How about you? Very well indeed. By the way, I say this to a lot of our guests we interview from Sydney. How's that big parking lot down there? Pretty good? <laughs> I shouldn't say that, should I? A lot of traffic, a lot of traffic. We get by, though. We get by. Not not as as, as pleasant as where you are, I think. Uh, we try not to let anyone know that, please. Would you mind yeah. keeping... We're, trying to, we're very, very selfish. I'll, Look, sit, I'll sit on it. <laughs> Ian, anyone... <clears throat> this is one of the things that I, I have a lot of discussion with new clients, uh, what should they do and so forth, but anyone wishing to start investing, uh, it can be quite daunting, which, uh, which share to buy, how do I manage it, etc., etc., etc. But there are some products, I believe, listed on the Australian Securities Exchange that may make it a lot easier and simple to follow. And I refer, of course, to listed investors investment companies, exchange-traded funds. Now, Ian, they're there, aren't they? Yep, they're listed on the exchange, um, and the LICs have been around for some time. ETS may seem to be a relatively new phenomenon, but they've been around for about 10 years. But what, what they enable investors, and when you say an investor, I logically think of someone prepared to invest for the longer, medium to longer term. Yes. I know the, the market's been volatile over recent days and weeks, um, but we're looking beyond that for, for a long-term investment. And uh, these products provide diversification uh, domestically across a range of shares listed on the ASX as well as potentially exposure to offshore investments. So that you get diversification through an LIC or an ETF uh, by choosing one that gives you that broad range of shares or domestic or international exposure. Right, and as we refer to LICs and ETF, we're talking about LIC as a listed investment company, and I think we might look at that one first. Sure. Um, you mentioned uh, that they've been around a long time, so they're not a new product. Well, basically, let's have a look. What are they? Okay, well, some of the LICs have been around for 70 years, and they use a company structure as, as a listed company. Mm-hmm. As the definition says, listed investment company, that's exactly what they do. They use a company structure to invest in other uh, listed assets. So they'll hold a range of uh, well-known names and they've probably held them for many, many years. Um, I can go back to think of some of the larger ones, Africa and Argo. Um, they're, they're about a, a four or five billion dollar capitalised entity and their business is, is investing uh, for the long term yes. in underlying equities also listed on the exchange. I believe Argo, I'm just picking Argo and not recommending it, of course, we just talk about these things, is one of the uh, companies that's been listed for one of the longest terms. And I, Was it Sir Donald Bradman that was a director of that company? Yep, and that's quite often, quite often mentioned in our discussions. Don Bradman was on the board. And, in fact, Rob Patterson, who's the current ma- managing director, has been with the company for... 40 years. I say current because he's, he's announced his retirement at, uh, towards the end of this year after their AGM in October. So you've actually got someone who's been in that organisation for, for half of its life, 40 mm. years. 
Interesting, isn't it? Okay, well, let, well let's have a look at these. First, management. Um, what is the management? How do they operate? And the cost. I suppose we could compare cost with something, but let's just have a look at management. We're talking about listed investment companies. Well, again, company structure. They have a managing director, as I've mentioned, a board of directors, and um, as, as if it was a, an operating company, sort of in manufacturing, you'd have a, a chief engineer. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in an listed investment company, you have a chief investment officer, right. and his or her role is to actually manage day-to-day and strategically for the longer term the underlying investments. They tend to look to um, buy and hold is the expression that's used, so they buy and hold for the long term. Mm -hmm. They're they're not actively managing the portfolio, but it's fair to say they actively manage the business. They're active in their attendance and participation at the annual general meetings, for example, of, of the entities that they hold within their company structure. Right. Um, and they participate on the behalf of their shareholders right. at those events. Now, because they're not actively tr- turning their portfolio over, they have relatively low costs, and some of them can be as low as 12 basis points or 0.12 of 1% hmm. per annum. So that's the cost to the investor. Some actually run up to around about 1%, right. and some of the newer style, which came to market around about the late 2003 period, may charge performance fees. So if they outperform a benchmark, they may share that with you 80% to the investor, retaining 20% for the manager. Right. So that benchmark might be the uh, 200 index or something like that. Indeed. Uh, that, that, that's the typical uh, benchmark. They'd say, we think we can do better than the index. Mm-hmm. So when we do better than the index, uh, we'll share the joy. Right. Um, when they don't, they'll say, well, if we've underperformed the index this year, we won't take our performance fee until we recoup those losses and get over the index again. Gee, that's interesting. A lot of people probably don't know that. Mm. And, and there again, you need to read the, the details that are provided by the company to determine what the performance fees are, if they're charged, and when they would be charged. Okay, well, we're talking with Ian Irvine, and we're now looking at listed investment companies, companies listed on the Australian Securities Exchange. We hear a lot about diversification. I'm going to talk about four things here, and then we'll do them individually. Diversification, how do I get my capital appreciation? Do dividends get paid regularly? And um, what about if there's a loss? So first of all, let's have a look at diversification. In this case, one would assume that their diversification is quite extensive. Yeah, a listed investment company will hold a range of shares, typically in the order of something like 50 to 100. So it will hold, as I mentioned right at the outset, well-known names listed on the exchange. So you'll get diversification in two ways. Because they hold that range of shares, you've got diversification across companies. Uh, They may hold a number of the banks, therefore you'll get diversification across the banking sector. They don't necessarily hold each and every bank, right. but they might have some that they prefer for their own um, investment reasons. So that's, again, the role of the investment managers to make the decision which of the banks would we hold, for example. So you get diversification that way. Some listed investment companies actually, um, whilst they're listed on this exchange, hold, may hold some shares uh, from the ASX, but also invest offshore into offshore exchanges. So mm. by using your Australian dollar on the ASX, you can buy exposure offshore through a listed investment company structure. You're listening to Finance Talk Back and Barry Preston. We have an interesting topic today. We certainly do. We're talking with Ian Irvine, who is the Head of Customer and Business Development at the ASX, the Australian Securities Exchange, and we're pulling to pieces a certain company or numbers of companies that are listed on the Australian Securities Exchange called listed investment companies. And we're now looking at 
Uh, Ian, how do they, well, do they pay dividends? How often do they pay the dividends? And, how, well, how do they pay these things? As I said at the outset, their, their stock and trade, if you like, is underlying listed investments listed on the ASX. Mm-hmm. Um, as a result of that, they receive their revenues um, as, as the dividends or distributions, including franking credits, that those companies that they invest in pay, to the, to pay within their company structure. Mm-hmm. Because they're a company, um, they, they are able to pay a dividend uh, to their investors. So when you buy a share in a listed investment company, you become a part owner, and the uh, the revenue you receive is by way of a, a dividend that they pay to you. Companies generally pay dividends twice a year. Listed investment companies in the main do as well. Mm-hmm. And they'll also pass through some of those franking credits they've received from their underlying investments. Right. Now, okay, but how do I get my growth in these, uh, these shares? I suppose it's what just like an ordinary share. Sell it and I get the growth if it's gone up. If you want to make a capital gain, the share appreciates in value. It will be driven by the appreciation, the net appreciation of the underlying shares in which it's investing. Mm-hmm. So in other words, um, I might invest, uh, take those 50 companies, uh, as we know, this is the benefit of diversification. Right. Not all will perform equally. Some will outperform, some will underperform, some will not do, do well at all. But on average... Um, over time, there tends to be a positive trend in the uh, in the value of the, the 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 market. So you, as an investor through an LIC, will receive that, and that will be reflected in the value of your LIC listed investment company value. If you choose to sell, that's when you make a capital gain. Right. If you choose to sell it, and it hasn't gone that way. In fact, the market was off. Um, you make a loss. And you did mention in there that these are really long-term investments, aren't they? They are, and. In, in both senses, typically for the investor, long-term view, because the underlying investments that the LIC or listed investment company invests in, they hold a long-term view on them as well. We mentioned a moment ago that uh, they invest in a number of companies on the stock exchange and some of them invest in internationally. Are there any listed investment companies that invest in specific sectors? Yeah, there's a couple. and Probably the, the easiest uh, to, to sort of focus on are those that specialise investing in, in mining. And um, there's a couple of LICs that invest in, in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, they will they'll take a collection of... Um, everyone's fairly familiar with Australia's large miners, uh, be, a, be they iron ore or coal um, or such. But right. there's a long tail of mining. Australia has a long history of mining, and it's, it's one of the real strengths of our market. But not everyone may be fully aware of which small mining stock, which junior miner, which start-up miner should I consider. Well, an LIC does that for you it'll actually look at the longer tail of those smaller miners some of them are more speculative but again because you have a range of those mining stocks you've got diversification across the mining sector fair enough so it could be true that if people are looking to invest in uh, companies on the stock exchange this might be a good way to go to start to understand how they operate because you're getting diversification and a lot of other benefits yep that's i think that's a good suggestion um Hmm. the the real benefit is you can do it with a relatively small amount of money. Um, I think most stockbrokers require a five hundred thousand dollar trade. It's probably too small an amount to start investing. Five hundred, sorry, is a minimum trade. Five hundred dollars. Yep. Fair enough. But uh, an advisor might suggest that somewhere between two and five thousand dollars is an appropriate amount to invest. Mm-hmm. So back to your starting point: which share or shares would I buy with my two thousand dollars? It's not going to go far. So I could buy four at five hundred dollars each. Right. But if I put that $2,000 into a listed investment company, it's spread across those 50 stocks. 
Right. Every year around comes that time that I know you love and most people love to sit down and do their tax. Uh, how do I get sort of a record for my maintenance to keep up to date? Uh, or how can I get the prices from time to time? Is this easy enough? How do they do the tax well, to start with? Pricing is really easy because it's real-time pricing on the ASX. You'll know today, unfortunately, the market's trending down. <laughs> the the yeah. investment is off, mm-hmm. so you'll know right now. You won't have to wait till three months after the event or come tax time. That's, that's the first thing. You've got real-time pricing. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of preparing your tax, you don't have to worry about the 20, 30, 40, 50 underlying uh, investments that the LIC or listed investment company holds. You don't have to worry about the return from the LIC. So you could effectively be confronted with two dividend statements per annum. And that's it? That, that, that's it. That's wow. what you would either need to put into your tax return if you do it yourself or take to your advisor or accountant. Wow, that seems simple enough. Okay, well, we're talking to Ian Irvine as head of the consumer, uh, customer and business development uh, at the Australian Securities Exchange. We've just talked about listed investment companies, companies that invest in other companies on the stock exchange. I've heard that we uh, uh, have exchange-traded funds or ETFs. What are these? Yep. Um, they have a lot of characteristics in common with LICs, but they are different. Um, LICs are closed-end structured fund, so there's a limited number of shares on offer at any time. Right. ETFs uh, track an index or the basket of stocks within that index over time, and they're open-ended, which means the structure allows for the issuers to create units to meet demand. Um, so they don't trade on sentiment in terms of, I think LIC ABC is a good investment because of the underlying stocks it holds. Right. They trade by actually tracking very, very closely the index. So today, unfortunately, they're tracking the index on the way down. The, the larger index, the S&P ASX 200, they will be, the value of your ETF will decline as the, as the index does and rise as the index does. And they're tracking them real-time? Real-time. Wow. So it's not the opening of business and the close of business, it's tracked real-time? It's tracked real-time through the course of the day. So trading your ETF invested in either the 50 or the 200 or over some sectors will actually behave in a, in, in a, in mimic the, the trend in, the, in those sector indexes. Are they a new product? Um, they may seem to be new to some because they've, they've achieved uh, prominence of, of late, and I'll come back to if, if we get a chance to describe why that, that's been the case. Mm. But they were, they were launched in Australia at the end of 2001, and they are a North American phenomenon that have been around since the late 80s. Enormous volumes are traded using these products in the US and Europe, hmm. the UK, and since probably the last three or four years, the number, the three back in, sorry, there were three listed in 2001, there's now about 35. Ah, so uh, what about management and cost in these things? How are they cal- worked? Well, un- unlike listed investment companies, there's no active management at all. There's no investment manager because they are mimicking that index. So their fees relate to the administration of a system that tracks the index, oh. so they can be they can be very low as well. But typically, on average, they might be around about forty basis points or 0.4 of one percent per mm-hmm. annum. So you're basically covering the um, the index of a certain percentage of shares listed on the Australian Securities Exchange. It's tracked immediately, so the price is as now. Yes. Um, diversification is okay with these or not? Yep. Um, again, for that one, and I'll use the, the, the big example, is the ETF that tracks the S&P ASX 200. 
you have a proportional exposure to every one of those 200 stocks. Ah, very so good. You start with BHP, Bank, 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 Woolworths, Telstra and so on, mm. right down to 200 in proportion. And that's you, and that, there's not a lot of buying and selling going on. Once you get your mind around that, mm. is that these, these things are driven by others buying and selling, which is moving the index. All they're doing is following the index. So BHP, which is about 13 or 14% of the market index, would be uh, representative in that uh, ETF, the Exchange Traded Fund. Correct. Uh, fair enough. Very interesting. Now, do we get dividends on these? Yes, you do. Um, as with an LIC, the uh, the manager receives all the dividends, distributions, and franking credits that flow from those companies, and they too pay a, a dividend generally twice a year mm. for ETFs over Australian equities. There are ETFs over international equities and the dividend distribution regime offshore is a little different from ours. But um, if you're investing in the United States, hmm. you typically invest for, for growth. Right. And the, the franking, does, it doesn't appear as, I mean, it's almost uniquely Australian. Right. Uh, and dividends is not the, the main motivation. But certainly for those that are listed over Australian indices or sectors, when the underlying pays its dividends and distributions, right. it'll, it'll flow through the ETF to the end investor. And I only get two receipts a year sort of thing to say how much I've received? Um, you, yes, you do. You, you'll right. also receive those two dividend statements. And again, there's, there's actually a, um, a, uh, an ETF over the property index, ah. which has had its fortunes over late. But uh, mm. um, property trusts typically pay four distributions a year. So mm. you can receive four distributions a year from, from that ETF. Right. But also at the end of the year, the ETF issues are pretty good on sending, sending you a succinct tax statement. Fantastic. So you haven't got to worry about it. That's great. Okay, look, uh, we're talking with Ian Irvine, who is head of the uh, customer and business development at the ASX. The next one we might look at is commodities. I've heard people talk about, first of all, what is a commodity? And I believe there are things called commodities exchange-traded funds. Yep. Um, we actually refer to them as exchange-traded commodities, and we, we supplement the, um, the, ET, the F and ETF for a C. So ETCs refer to... Commodities, at the moment, the commodities that are listed on the exchange cover precious metals. Precious metals, gold, silver and that sort of thing. Gold, silver, platinum, palladium and a basket of those four. Ah, so they're all mixed in together and you, you actually, let's assume the gold and all, all of those go up, you're obviously your investment would go up. Um, firstly, a couple of questions there, Barry. Then I mentioned the basket. The basket has a proportional share. Right. So that... And each of the others are listed individually. Ah, uh, sorry. Right. Platinum, palladium. Mm. The other part of your question is, if the price of gold goes up, does your investment go up? Mm. Um, yes and no. Not wishing to complicate this, because yeah. gold is quoted in US dollars. Right. Ah. And there's, there's a relationship between the US dollar and the Australian dollar. So at the moment, for example, you need to work out which direction gold went in US dollars and which direction the Aussie dollar went relative <laughs> to the US dollar. So one could go up and one could come down and you could be sitting still. It, exactly. exactly. <laughs> in fact, today you may have found that gold was off, as was the Aussie, but which went furthest? And I think the Aussie may have gone further, so uh, you actually may have appreciated your Aussie dollar investment in gold. And can you just buy and sell these on the market? But they're all securitised, um, which means they are a security. So as you would buy a share in BHP or Rio or Woolworths or West Farmers, you buy and sell real-time. You can look it up, um, get pricing, uh, enter a trade, 
and, and, and know exactly what your, your, um, your dollars bought today. Oh, fantastic. Now, uh, in general terms, we get a lot of questions from people, uh, elderly people, grandparents wanting to look at sort of investing, and this is no recommendation, of course, but they don't know what share they'd like to buy. So those ones we discussed first, the listed investment companies, yep. might be a, a fairly uh, sort of typical product that may suit. Yep, um, I think often people look to get sort of what you might say as a marquee name. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're investing for the long term, a lot of those blue chip names go through cycles. Yes. And they, they perform differently over time. Whereas if you, the whole reason we're talking about LOCs and ETFs, you're getting that underlying diversification. So you get a flattening of your volatility mm-hmm. over the longer term. And it's, a, it's a, a, an inexpensive way to get that diversification. So, yeah, I think that would be a reasonable consideration. And could they buy them in the child's name? Uh, I've got to be careful here, Barry. This is probably a discussion for an advisor. And a ah, I see. Fair enough. Yep. Person. Yep. Um, but you know that, that because of who actually owns it and who has rights to the underlying uh, revenues, dividends, distributions, and who's got to declare that on their tax. And that comes. It, it opens up a basket of uh, questions, which uh, we're not here to talk about today. That's where I mentioned at the beginning. It's your advisor and so forth to talk to you about that. Absolutely. Ian, uh, you guys do a lot of training, apparently. I believe is that right? Uh, the ASX is that a good website for people to have a look at? Yeah, a lot of it's education and information. We we don't provide, as you mentioned right at the outset, any advice or recommendations. Our our role is to provide as much information, knowledge, and education as we can to both investors and advisors, Mm -hmm. um, ASX market participants such as stockbrokers or even a growing number of financial planners these days. What uh, web uh, site would people like to go and have a look at? You'd like to mention that? Really easy to remember: www.asx.com.au asx.com.au and there's lots of things in there to have a look at there are indeed Ian, look, on behalf of uh, the listeners of 2NURFM 103.7, the uh, the premier spot in the whole of Australia, <laughs> I shouldn't say that, uh, Ian, uh, being the head of customer and business development at the ASX, thank you very much indeed for bringing us up to date and uh, letting us understand a little bit more about listed investment companies, exchange-traded funds. Uh, thank you very much, and uh, we'll keep in contact. A pleasure. look forward to it, and I hope it was useful. Very Thank you so. very much, Ian. This is Finance Talk Back to NURFM 103.7.